In the meantime, we do invite in our first guest of the evening, and all guests do appear on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Greg Swartz, Bleacher Report, joining us now. Greg, I know it's been a minute, my man. I hope you're doing well, especially this time of year on the holidays. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on tonight. Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, I, I want to start with just kind of the, the, I think the question that's weighing on everybody as they follow this Cavs team these first couple months of the season, and that is how hot is J.B. Bickerstaff's seat, do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think it's been warm going back to last season ever since the, the New York Knicks series where um, I just thought he, he didn't make the adjustments that he needed to make in that series. The issues that were appearing in game one were still issues in games three and four and five in that series. And, you know, after we were kind of spoiled by watching Ty Lue here and he was just such a mastermind in the playoffs and he was just so good, that's when he kind of elevated his game as well as a coach and you just didn't see it from JB and, and the rest of his coaching staff. So I think we kind of entered the season with that seat being warm um, and you've got a superstar that you need to keep happy and that doesn't always bode well for security of head coaches. So uh, if the Cavs continue to struggle, they continue to hang out around 500. Uh, they don't have the trade assets to go out and make a big move. So if, mm-hmm. if you're looking at potential big moves that they can make, uh, coaching change would certainly be one of those. In fairness to JB, though, it has been sort of a, a tumultuous start to the season, just given the sheer number of injuries. That's kind of that feels like a theme in Cleveland right now with, with their sports teams. Just a bunch of people getting injured every single week. It seems like, but obviously, right now there's no Evan Mobley playing tonight because of injury. But to start the season, you had you didn't have Jared Allen, and then Garland and Mo, and uh, Mitchell were sort of in and out of the lineup for certain injuries as well. So, how much can we really, you think, truly evaluate this team? given the fact that there's been so many different players kind of in and out on any given night? Yeah, I mean, the good news is Karis LeVert came back tonight. Uh, He's been out for a couple weeks, so uh, he's already hit a couple nice shots off the bench, and that's a guy that you need with with his playmaking, Um, especially if you're not going to play Craig Porter Jr. You've got another guy that can handle the ball and create for others. But, yeah, if you look at the Cavs, um, their starting lineup this season, they've played 300 total possessions together, which – which isn't bad. Um, it's not great, but it's not bad. And you've got enough of a sample size there um, where it's, it's, it's working. It's not great. It's not a lead. I think they're beating teams by about five and a half points per 100 possession. So it's not what you want to see from your starting lineup, but they are having some success. But after that, no lineup for the Cavs has played more than 89 total possessions together. That's any five-man combination. Um, and you just look down the list, it's like, you know, everybody, 80 possessions, 50 possessions, 40 possessions. There's just not a lot of continuity. And that's because they've had so many guys in and out. And it's not been, you know, this guy's been missing 15 games and this guy's missed 10. It's more like, you know, two games here, three games there, just enough where they don't have uh, enough time to get a rhythm down. So hopefully with Karis back, um, Mobley dealing with knee soreness, I think we could see him back any any game now. You've got Garland, you've got Mitchell, you've got Allen, you've got Struess. So you've got a lot of the key guys back now with Karis LeVert. So as soon as Evan goes back, it, it, uh, hopefully you can get some some real data that shows what's working, what's not. Greg Swartz, Bleacher Report, joining us here on the hotline at Greg Swartz BR on uh, X. I, I always just go with Twitter, but it is X now, I guess. Um, along those lines, Greg, as you talk about like just different lineup combinations and how there hasn't been a lot of just – them playing together and continuity and all these different things. Like we know at this point, 
that it's a march towards the postseason, and there's plenty of fans who kind of came into this year and and pundits coming into this year who were like, well, the Cavs got to show me in the playoffs before I can really assess who they are or what they are. So on some level, like, are, are we almost overreacting a little bit to like what we've seen so far because of the fact that it it doesn't it won't really matter as much until we get to that point in the season or do you, or or is it more so about like you got to establish the the habits now to feel good about what what happens come April, May and June. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean you you've got to establish habits now. This this is a team that hasn't accomplished anything together. You you won one playoff game together yeah. uh, against a team that you had home court advantage on. Uh, you were the higher seed in that matchup. Um, you've done absolutely nothing that would suggest that you can coast through the regular season. Um, if, the, if the regular season was over today, the Cavs would have to play their way in. They're currently in seventh place. They're in the play-in tournament right now. They're not even in the, the top six seed, especially if you look at the Orlando Magic. I mean, they look like they're for real. They've had yeah. the a number one or number two ranked defense all season. Um, that's a team that could make a move. They've got a lot of young talent and draft picks they could trade. You know, Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly are going to be there. The Indiana Pacers just, you know, went to the in-season tournament final. They have the number one offense. Uh, the New York Knicks, we obviously know, uh, are a formidable team and I think could even be a lot better. Miami's hanging around. I mean, there's just so many teams in this Eastern Conference that's kind of jumbled up. The Cavs can't be like, you know, well, let's just wait around for the reg yeah. for the playoffs to start and then turn it on. You can only do that if you've got LeBron on your team. Um, <laughs> this is a team that needs to establish, and we saw that plenty of years, and, and they got away with it. This is a team that can't do that. They need to get those habits down now. They need to establish the rotation now. They need to establish what their needs are going into the trade deadline and trade season that's coming up here pretty soon. Um, if they're coasting now, that's that's a horrible mistake. There are signs through advanced mes- metrics that Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell is a feasible backcourt, but what say you on that subject? Because there's a lot of people who watch these games and feel, and I do think on, on some level they're right. Like there is sort of early in the season here, there's been sort of this give and take of, well, does is Darius handling the ball and he feels like it's his night tonight and he's going to take over? Or does Mitchell feel like he has to take over? Like it seems like they're still sorting through some of that as well. But the metrics do show that it, it can work. So what say you on the prospect of those two functioning together long-term? Yeah, I mean, I, I just... As you're saying that, I pulled it up right now. If you're looking at Cleaning the Glass, which is the website I like to use for that, um, the Cavs, when they have Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell both on the court at the same time, are beating teams by almost 12 points per 100 possession. That would rank in the 94th percentile overall. I mean, that's pretty darn good. Um, Offensively, actually defensively, they're in the 96th percentile. So any worry about those two guys, you know, kind of coexisting defensively, you know, a lot of those minutes are – coming with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen and, you know, usually both, if not at least one of those guys on the court. So that helps. But, you know, if you look at the the games and you look at the the data, it shows that it's working. There's a lot of things that aren't working about the Cavs, but I mean, let's keep in mind, Darius Garland's 23 years old. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, I don't even think has reached his prime yet. Uh, This is, you know, they haven't even played 80, 90 total games together. I think this is a partnership that can still work very well. Um, and if you're listing all the problems and the things that are wrong with the Cavs, that partnership is way down on that list because right now the data says that it's working. A few more minutes of Greg Swartz, Bleacher Report. Uh, was the in-season tournament a success in your eyes, and is it something you think fans will buy into moving forward? 
I thought it was a success. Um, they just kind of released the numbers from it. The Pacers-Lakers tournament championship in Las Vegas got over 4 million viewers. Mm. If you're talking about NBA games in, you know, before Christmas, that's, that's really good. That's usually what NBA games on Christmas Day average, and that's one of the biggest games or one of the biggest dates on the NBA regular season calendar. So if you're looking to get more engagement in November and December when, you know, this nation is still still football crazy, um, I think that was important. I thought it was nice that they kind of gave a break in between games. Um, they kind of set it up. They, they put it on a Saturday night where they didn't have any other games. Um, they made every Tuesday and Friday, okay, this is our in-season tournament day. Uh, they had the, the courts that were specially designed. I think I thought they did a nice job of letting you know, hey, tonight is different. Tonight means a little bit more, um, if nothing else, to get some of these pay, players uh, a little bit more money because clearly they cared about it. Even LeBron, who's a billionaire, cared enough about it to, to try. So I think it's definitely coming back. I think it's here to stay. There might be some tweaks in terms of point differential and things that they're going to use for tiebreakers. But this is something that's definitely going to be back next year and for the foreseeable future. Does LeBron get to use this as part of his uh, go argument now? Even though, because you know, you know how the you know how the conversation goes, Greg. It's uh, well, hey, Michael Jordan never won an in-season tournament. Obviously, it didn't exist. And for other people, it's like, well, LeBron. If, if LeBron had lost, it would have been all oh, another championship that LeBron couldn't win. Like you know exactly how this would have played out if it went the other way. Yeah, I don't think he's going to win that argument either way. Uh, I did think it was cool that I, I forget the article I read, but he was kind of going out and telling all the two-way guys, hey, this is for you guys. Like, you know, mm. the $500,000 yeah. of those guys, I mean, that doubles their salary right there. So that's a huge deal for those guys. Um, and uh, the fact that the Lakers, though, are going to hang a banner <laughs> <laughs> for the NCAA tournament championship, this is a franchise that's won how many – uh, NBA titles, um, number one all time, and they're they're gonna they're gonna hang a banner for that. I thought that was a little silly, um, but it did make games more competitive to watch, uh, which I appreciated. So that was good. Well, very fitting for our everybody gets a trophy culture we now live in, uh, uh, Greg. That they're gonna hang a banner. Right. But <laughs> um, few more minutes here. Again, Greg Swartz at Greg Swartz Br on X. Does a tremendous job covering all things NBA, but especially the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's weird to think that we're just a couple weeks away from the calendar turning over. And then really, I think like that's when, you know, basketball really starts to come into people's for, for the, the foreground for people where they start to pay more attention. And we start to hear a lot more rumors about trade deadline deals and different things that could happen and players on the move. Who are some of the players that you think could be on the move that fans should be kind of keeping an eye on? and teams that you think will be really active at the deadline? Yeah, I think uh, the team that everybody's going to have their eye on is the Toronto Raptors. Um, 9-13 and 13 overall, they could still hypothetically compete. They could tear things down. A lot of their key guys, the Pascal Siakam, the OG Ananobi, they're going to be unrestricted free agents. Um, you just lost Fred Van Vliet in free agency, which was a huge loss for them. Are they really going to go into next summer with the possibility that these guys are going to leave for nothing? Um, I think that is a very interesting team. Um, another guy, Gary Trent Jr., he was rumored to sign an extension there. It never got done. Uh, that's another guy that's going to be a key free agent for them. So I think if teams are looking for stars, I think Toronto is a team that could offer that. Um, the Pistons and Wizards certainly are two teams that I think are going to continue to tear things down. Uh, they have some useful pieces on there. If you're talking Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, Joe Harris, Alec Burks, uh, for Detroit, those are some guys that, you know, if you need shooting, 
Uh, Detroit does have some guys that can do that. So if you're a Cavs fan, don't get real excited about the trade deadline. Uh, teams like Cleveland, who cannot trade a first-round pick, are not going to be at the uh, front of the line when it comes to acquiring these stars. But uh, certainly they could go out and get a helpful piece. But um, Toronto, for me, is the team that I'm, I'm most interested in watching and, and seeing if they tear things down or if they try to build things back up. Because right now they are um, a game and a half out of the playing tournament. So they're, they're right on the borderline. What does a, a helpful piece even look like for the Cavs, Greg? Because I feel like... You, you spent the offseason basically addressing what your needs were. Like, I, the, the, in, in theory, there's not like a, a massive need that you're supposed to have. It almost just feels like you got to get more reps together to figure out if the, the iteration that you have put together here is going to work. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, I mean, they address their needs in terms of shooting, but I, the, backup, the backup point guard situation is the one that I'm most concerned about, especially JB doesn't seem like he's committed to playing Craig Porter Jr., yeah. which I think is ridiculous. I think he should be <laughs> playing every single night. I think he's shown that we need him. Um, Ty Jerome was supposed to be the primary backup point guard with Ricky Rubio out. We don't know if Ricky's going to come back or not. There still hasn't been any retirement talk or any real news if he's coming back this season. What kind of shape is he going to be? And if he does come back, um, Jerome's missed, I think, all but two games with his ankle injury. And this is a team, Cleveland, for as good as you know Darius Garland is, as good as Donovan Mitchell is, they still rank 20th um, in assist percentage, 25th overall in assist per game as a team. So if you're looking at a key need, uh, if you're looking at something that we can do to raise up uh, their three-point percentage, which is also 25th in the league right now, let's get better ball movement. Let's get another passer in there let's get another playmaker off the bench um which you know we we obviously had with rubio uh when he was clicking two years ago i just think that's the position of need um could they get a malcolm brockman i don't know that might be more on the expensive side but i'd certainly you know kind of set my goals there and work down from there because for me i, I need one more guy that can kind of run the second team offense and get some guys easy shots He's an NBA writer for Bleacher Report at Greg Swartz BR on Twitter. Greg Swartz, ladies and gentlemen. Greg, always appreciate the time, man. I promise it, uh, it won't be so long between our, our conversations here like like this previous uh, sort of lull here. So I, I promise we'll do it again soon, my man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. Greg Swartz, Bleacher Report. Good stuff from him. Uh, gave us some tremendous insight. Said, don't expect too much from the Cavs at the deadline. Also had some interesting commentary on J.B. Bickerstaff's future. We'll talk about that when we get back here on The Fan. Let's take a break. More Cavs conversation when we return. Keep it locked. That's Spencer German on Overtime with Jonathan Peterson.